Hey there, boils and ghouls. Welcome to this week's episode of Hollow Weekly. And boy, do we have a great interview for you this week. I got to sit down with Sylvia Kaminer, the director of the new film Follow Her. It's about a struggling actress that responds to a mysterious classified ad and soon finds herself trapped in her new boss's twisted fantasy. We had a really great conversation. We talk a little bit about directing, a little bit about Hitchcock, you know, things that happen on set while you're making, uh, you know, a film like this. And let me tell you, when it comes to thrillers, there's a lot of thrillers out there. You know, they talk about their twists and their turns and, you know, yada, yada, yada. A lot of them don't hit this mark. This film has a twist in it. My jaw was on the floor. I couldn't, but like, I did not expect it. I mean, I didn't even see it coming. So when it happens, I was just like, oh my God, are you kidding me? It's it's that good. Starring and written by Danny Barker. And if you've listened to the show before, you know that I love the, uh, the Netflix Sabrina show. And this film has Luke Cook in it. Uh, you'll know him as uh, Lucifer Morningstar, and, and this one he stars as Tom Brady. <laughs> you'll see; it'll make sense when you see when you see the movie. Uh, it's out uh, today, uh, 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 June second. So go rent it, go go buy it, go watch it, get your popcorn ready. I I I I, I cannot recommend this enough. Fantastic thriller. Here's the interview. May I have your attention, please? They're coming to get you, Barbara. I don't know what to do anymore. All right. Something even more terrible than you. So first thing, first things first, follow her. How did this come about? How did you get attached? How did how did how did um, you get hooked up with uh, Danny uh, Barker, uh, the, the writer of the film? How did that all come about? Well, so, you know, I've been producing films for ah, too long. Um, a lot of first-time filmmakers. And and then about 10 years ago, I started directing documentaries and doing uh, my other love, which is travel and um, directing and producing unscripted shows. And finally, I was like, holy shit, Sylvia, what the hell are you waiting for? You were going to direct a feature, you know, narrative film 10 years ago. What's going on? So I started reading scripts like crazy maybe six years ago. And I knew I wanted it to be genre. Um, I just felt like that was an kind of an easier entryway into into um, film. You know, it's there; they're easier to market and so forth. And I read so many scripts, and so many of them were crap. And, <laughs> or you know, if not that, just not something so violent, so right. misogynistic, and just. You know, something that I was like, God, I can't imagine spending three years of my life. Now I've spent about four on followers so far. Um, and then my, you know, I had a mentor who sadly passed during the making of the film, but John Gallagher, who's a very well-known indie New York City filmmaker. And he'd met Danny. She was looking for a director and a way to make the film. Mm-hmm. And um, so he recommended me and oh, cool. read the script. Yeah. And... It's funny, the first time I read it, it was called A Killer Script. And I was like, I don't know about that title, but I, you know, <laughs> um, it felt a little cheesy, a little maybe 290s thriller. Um, right, yeah. <laughs> and um, I really dug it. And I was like, oh, you know, that she's talented. You know, Danny's mm. got a vision and a voice. And, you know, I knew, it just felt like there was stuff we could do. Um, you know, it was a little scary because she'd written it for herself. Mm. Starring, and, you know, the writer to star in and she hadn't really done much that I could watch. She she'd been in a right. few films, you know, small roles. But we had a great conversation. Right from the first conversation, she had to kind of put her trust in me because there wasn't 
a narrative feature she could watch that I directed. So we're both like, what the hell, let's do it. And we kind of jumped off the cliff and never looked back. Wow. That is amazing. Just took a chance on it and it fit like a glove. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been a fun ride. Yeah. I'm curious. You mentioned you mentioned you read a bunch of a bunch of scripts to sort of, you know, get your head in the zone of, of narrative filmmaking. Was was there any scripts out of the the hundreds I'm sure you read? Was there was there a diamond in the rough? Was there one that you read where you were like, finally, I found something that resonates with me that that uh, that you dug? Yes, there was one script that I so friggin' wanted to make and it got swooped away from me like by oh. like a couple of days. And I still Oof. look and I don't think it's ever been made. And now I'm like, nah, I don't know if I'd want to go make it anymore. But I feel like reaching out after this comes out and seeing if that was still available. I think this one, though, is actually more timely. Um, yes. But I just had a visceral response to that one. And this one, I, I saw the promise of it. I saw the talent there, but it yes. took a little bit of, you know, we, we workshopped the, the script for like 10 months and she was great, you know, very collaborative and great to work with. How long was the, the shooting schedule for this, for this movie? Yeah, it was pretty quick, but not, not terrible on an indie, you know, um, basis. So we shot the first part, everything from when the Jess character, the protagonist leaves the city to go meet Tom until she, leaves the country um in 12 days um oh yeah, yeah um and then we came back to shoot and that was upstate new york hudson valley Saugerties, kingston woodstock area and then we shot for another six days with a with a handful of little second unit half days you know me and the dp and danny to get you know the voyeur voyeuristic footage um so altogether, I guess that's 18 days with, with a few second unit. That is incredible. It is, yeah. Jeez, yeah. 18 days to knock out photography. So that is yeah, incredible. Like, it was great. Luke Guy Spieler, yeah. Um, early, okay, so early in the movie, and I got and I got to I'm see if I, my camera can reach here. We got to talk about Hitchcock because there is there is there is a big Hitchcock thing. And I saw in another interview you mentioned there was even more Hitchcock early into the film. So I'm I'm curious. Well, actually, let me show you this real quick because we're actually in we're in the Hitchcock office of all places. Let me see, let me see if I can show you. So we have our psycho birds. I'm trying to get there. We go there, and then over here we got our vertigo rear oh, window. There's a there's a uh, a, a under, I don't know if it's like an underground movie situation <laughs> called Secret Movie Club, and they have all these crazy cool custom posters. So we were like. You know, originally we we're going to do Jaws and some other stuff. But we're like, we're going to go full on Hitchcock. So when I watched the movie, I was like, this is great. This is perfect. Oh, I love so, it. so what did you have to scale back on? That was uh, the Hitchcock. What did you have to scale back on? And then what did you pull? What did you end up, end up yeah. pulling from? It was actually the opposite. I scaled up the Hitchcock. Oh, yeah, okay. The only Hitchcock in the film was in the ad that she reads. Because Danny okay. really wasn't very familiar with Hitchcock. In fact, she asked me after we shot, like, what are some of his big movies? I have to, you know, see them more. But I think I've been a fan of Hitchcock my whole life. How could you not if you like suspense and thrillers? You know, he was a master at what, what he did so well, which I definitely stole, and I can give him homage for it, was the, the building of tension and the keeping, you know, ratcheting it up by letting the audience know more than the protagonist. And I use that a lot. And I actually placed 
some very specific moments where I made sure that the audience had a hint and knew something more than just did, hoping that that might make them lean in a little bit and feel like they want to yell at the screen and say, will you get the hell out of there? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, they, okay. So now for, now for an easy one and or not, not maybe not easy one, but if you had, if you had to pick top Hitchcock, can I, where you go? a couple or you want just my first one? Actually, go, let's go with a couple. Cause picking one is like, it's so hard to just, just it pick the one. Is. I mean, for this, I would say rear window just because of the amount of tension. And I mean, Jimmy Stewart sitting in his, you know, his chair basically with his leg in a cast for the whole movie, looking at with binoculars and, the way mm. he managed to just keep that. I also really love Strangers on a Train. I think mm. it's a very lesser known, but I love North by Northwest and Psycho, of course. Um, what about you? What are your favorites? Well, I, I I wrote this down in my notes. It's funny. We actually just went to the um, the Oscar Museum uh, mm. Sunday, and we saw the typewriter that Psycho was written on. Oh, man. Very crazy yeah. to see. Um, my, my first got answer would probably have to be vertigo i, oh, I, I all not say vertigo yeah that's right all all the colors all the stuff but yeah. on on uh i think it was oh, near score we're on yeah. score holy shit yeah i i can't get it up for that yeah. but i recently saw uh, on, on new year's day we went and saw a 35 millimeter showing of notorious and i had never oh, seen it before yeah. wow, and that's an underappreciated one anything claude rains is in i'm i'm there and yeah. It, I, but I had to put Notorious because uh, it was my I, I, I th I'd seen Vertigo at, at, at a theater and uh, we saw we saw Notorious at a theater and there's a scene where um, they're, they're trying to grab a wine bottle and it's going closer to the edge. Whole audience gasped. And I'm like, that is crazy. This movie is how old? And he's he still has this audience in the palm of his hand. He can do whatever he wants. So I got to go. I got to go. Notorious. Wow. I'm going to watch it again this weekend. I haven't <laughs> watched it probably 20 years. Well, speaking of rear window and, and, and cameras, you do a really interesting thing throughout the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And there's almost, I was thinking of it as like two segments. Early in the film, uh, we see a lot of different types of media. So right. there, there's 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 our standard, um, I don't know what you want to call it, narrative camera where we're watching yeah. it as as a film. Uh, but in, in my notes here, there's there's one time we switched to a different camera and it's during, um, it's during uh, Jess's audition. Right. And then and then it cuts to a different camera during the toe tango. Right. <laughs> and so there, there, there's those shots. And then uh, later on in the film, obviously, there's there's like the five cameras. There's the glasses. There's right. the ring. There's the, right. the um, How did you balance all of that? Like, it feels like you have so much in your arsenal that you you, you balanced it so well. Like, we would I, I felt like I was watching it from the cinematic point of view. But then you'd switch over here, and all of a sudden, now I'm a voyeur. Now I'm now I'm a fly on the wall. How did you balance all of that? Well, that was a real challenge, and I will say, thank God, I had time to focus and put a lot of research in, and and not even so much research, but I really because so much of it is a two hander, and in one location, I thought, boy, I just have to get it right and understand the film language, and I also am one of those that I don't want to have to read a lot of texts and i don't want to get lost in the social media aspect especially when it's the two of them and i want to build tension because i feel like that would bring back it would like slam the tension down if we lose sight of them to read a bunch of comments and be thinking about social media right. so my my dp luke geisbeeler who's 
friggin' brilliant. He he did all the Borat movies, so he's worked with Sasha Baron Cohen a lot, and he's also done a lot of narrative features. We started looking at different cameras and trying to determine, we both knew we wanted a cinematic film, but we also knew that we, like we didn't shoot in the really wide aspect ratio, which I actually prefer, but because we needed the screen space, like, cause we knew we were, you know, we wanted to mark out where on the screen we would have texts and posts and tweets and all that crap. So, you know, that was one thing to think about and how to get that language and that social media world done quick so that we could leave it behind a bit when we got to the meat of the story between, you know, the, the Jess and, and Tom characters, you know, and then the other cameras, you know, if, if you start looking at the world and thinking about not just how, you know, like how you see the world or, or like the omniscient camera, we called it, which is like the, the you know, the God's view. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of cameras on you. You know, when you go yeah. through traffic, like there might be a camera on you. When you're at an audition, right there on their table is this crappy little camera. And so she's being filmed where like every blemish, show, you know, it just looks like hell, you know, to sometimes we would show like she's crossing a street and you're like, whoa, what's that camera? And it's very clear. It's marked like, oh, she just walked through. Did she walk through someone's shop or are they following her? You know, and even like in the in the Uber towards the end of the movie, you know, there's that camera, which most mm -hmm. Ubers nowadays, God forbid something happens to them. Yeah, they have a camera, you know, yeah. so we wanted to kind of show but it was also very complicated because we're like, how the hell, like the editor, Alex Gans and I would often like be like, ah, you know. And, well, and what, I, what I really liked about it was I, I I watched this, I don't know why I watched it, but there was Anna Wintour did a masterclass about fashion. And I, I don't know why I watched it, but I think I watched it with my fiance and she said something about the way she views clothes and she kept using the word texture and she didn't just mean of the fabric. She meant like, how does it fit in with everything? And that's really like seared into my brain. And I kept thinking that watching it with the movie because there's, I, I think a lot of filmmakers, like, you know, you mentioned you wanted to do the real wide carpenter-esque, you know, yeah. cinema thing. And it's, it's, it's a really big risk to, to just be like, Hey, we're going to break that down. We're going to give you all these other different cameras, give you yeah. all that different types of texture. Yeah. And but but it but it it was it was very flawless in this movie and and it, I think the the fact that you'd set it up with this age of social media that that cameras are all around you at all times <laughs> whether you you like it or not I, I thought it played off really well um, so I wanted to ask you we got to go into some social media conversation <laughs> given the given the film what's your stance on cameras being everywhere people always trying to do social media because there's this i do think there's this line of using it as a creative there are, there's a creative space for it where you can really flourish and yeah. show these great ideas and cool things but then there's also this like stop filming me right. <laughs> you know kind of thing where do you where do you land on it where do you what's your just general thoughts about it that is a tough one and i will say that i kind of came into social media kicking and screaming i was a mm -hmm. later you know i had no interest at it you know, in it for a long time. And then I was like, well, shit, I'm in the film, you know, I'm going to have to at least dabble in it to promote my work and you have to, mm -hmm. but I never really, you know, it's also probably because I'm not in my thirties um, or twenties. So I didn't grow up with finding my value and like my right. friends online and all of that. But I, 
it's a it's a social phenomenon, I, I think. And I think it's actually a shift in human evolution in a sense. The use of the way we use our phones and social media and I think it's yeah, it's it's a little bit I won't say alarming, but I think if if not used wisely or properly, it can create problems. I mean, what are we saying online? Are we being respectful? Are we are we filming people without their permission and putting it online the way Jess does? Like, you know, that was another thing I loved about this story is her morals are very questionable. Like she yes. pretty self-centered, like, I don't care what I have to do to get ahead. But that is a little bit of a mentality that's I think quite common on social media. Although, you know, there is, you know, repercussions for that and you have to be careful. And even, I mean, I don't watch it much influencers. I do follow Luke Cook who plays Tom because he's friggin' hysterical. He is on, on TikTok. TikTok. He's insane. Um, he's and it was so fun that he is the one making a mockery of influencers and yet, and he has great fun with it. Um, yeah, so I feel like there's gotta be a hierarchy and, a, and you know, society, we haven't set up any real safeguards. So who's monitoring that? Are, are, you know, it's gotta come from within because you let anything run rampant and there will be a lot of misuse. You did, um, and not to, not to, not to go into any spoilers, but, um, you did a really fantastic job at showing the people who are watching the media <laughs> happening. And it's, it's funny because when you, when you see those shots, you're like, that's me. <laughs> like, that's like, like, that's like I can't, I, it, but what's beautiful about it is it's like, I can't, I can't judge what, what, what Jess is doing. Like, yeah. I can't judge her because who am I to say, like, there's a, there's a line, um, the relationship between her and her father, he tells her to get a real job. Right. And you see yeah. a lot of that with people online, you know, people say, oh, we'll go get a real job. And you're like, well, they're paying real taxes. <laughs> so who are, yeah. who are you to say what, what's a real job and what's not? And it really put myself in the shoes of like, who am I to be a hypocrite to like judge this person? Right. You know, and, uh, yeah. and it's so easy to, you know, to fall into that trap. You're so close. Like the brass ring is right there. And it's like, you know, when you start making little exceptions and the line just keeps getting either pushed or erased and thinner and thinner. And yeah. And I did. That's one of the reasons I thought that, you know, that father character was so important. And we worked a lot on. I mean, getting, we were so fortunate to get Mark Moses, who like the minute you see him, you're like, I know that guy because he can yep. inform the audience, like, you know, just by his looks, like he makes a look at her and you're like, oh, I get it. He's so like done with what she does. And and we needed to make Jess empathetic, um, even though, she, you know, like she does some, like I said, questionable things, but she's a real person with dreams and aspirations and she's getting kicked out of her apartment and, you know, she has real life troubles that she has to solve, which, you know, we hoped would, you know, if someone's saying bullshit about, you know, would she go with him? Well, hell yeah, she would. First off, he's Luke and he's very handsome and charming, you know, but also she has to put up her, an episode, you know, and yeah. she's got bills to pay and she's getting, you know, the rent's due. <laughs> right. Right. And I, you know, as someone who first started out as a production assistant answering Craigslist calls, like you got to do it. Like you got to do it. Like you know, you get an email. They're like, "Meet me at this place," and you're like, "Sure, okay." Yeah. It's completely, completely possible, and you just got to fingers crossed that it that it turns out okay. Well, speaking yeah. of, 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Well, no, no, I was going to say one very short thing because it's just a separate time. Danny, um, who plays Jess, who wrote the script, actually did had a live um, had a YouTube show like twelve years ago where she found the weirdest jobs online and filmed them secretly and put them oh on her show, edited them and put them on her show. But she was very careful. She always went with someone. Like she always went with muscle to make sure no one, you know, but. That is so scary. Yeah, I know. It was about 12 years ago. Yeah, like pretty ahead of its time. Yeah. Oh my God. So she was able, so she was able to pull from some. some we were, that tickling thing. And you know, yeah. I mean, she, yeah, she got tickled for, I'm like, you got tickled for an hour. I think she said for $25. I'm like, well, but. But she wasn't just doing it for the $25. She was right. doing it for her show. So the real value was this is going to be a killer episode. I'll get a million views. So it was. Oh, my gosh. Monetary. Yeah. Which. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, OK, so I have to I have to ask about about Luke um, and his and his performance. I have. How did you guys come up with that? He was so unpredictable. I never knew what he was going to do. He was bouncing off the walls. There was part of me wanted to trust him because he looks like he could be normal, right. but he is not. And I, he, I, it feels like a tornado of confusion. How did that come out? How did you guys work on that character? So, you know, Judy Henderson did our casting and we kind of put out a wide. We, of course, did a few Hail Mary passes, which didn't go anywhere to get a star, a big name. Um, Luke came in on an audition. I remember for me, there were two things that I, I felt I needed with that actor to play that role. Chemistry with Jess. There, he had to be charismatic. But the other thing I had to believe there was a menace to him and that he could switch on a dime, that anything is possible with his character. So the actor has to be able to bring that. And we, I saw enough of both in in his audition you know to feel like yeah i mean this guy i mean he wasn't as much on social media like now he kind of blew up mm. after the chilling adventures of sabrina which he had just finished filming when he worked with us but then you know <clears throat> typical of not even just independent films most films had very little rehearsal we had two days um we read through the script talked beats and stuff but i made sure not to get into any heavy conversations about their characters and motivations or any of that together. Um, and so Luke and I had talked a little bit, but he didn't need a ton of direction or like depth into his character. He knew this guy, he knew what he needed to bring to Tom. And so we had discussed that when he sh shifts in the, there's a certain play for suddenly he's like a different guy almost. and and. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, at that moment, we have to believe that Tom could do anything. Nothing is off the table. And the only right. way that's going to be, be believable is if everything he's done up to that point leads you to believe that. And then also his performance from that point forward is so zany and so off the charts um, that that you believe it. And uh, I, I remember about a day and a half before we were going to shoot that section of the film, we we did, we tried to shoot in order, but it didn't happen, but we did shoot that stuff towards the last few days. And he said to me, you know, I've been working on some stuff and I'm going to go pretty far. You know, I was like, go for it. Good. And we made sure not to tell Danny. Um, <laughs> yeah. She was like scared. I almost, because she had, this was probably the one place in the 
film that she had a different vision than the film. <laughs> um, she didn't see it as intense. And mm -hmm. like when you're sitting next to Luke and, and he, he did quite a bit of improv there. A lot of the craziest, wackiest, funnest, funniest lines are his improv. So uh, what I was wondering is, is how much of the film you were talking about um, Luke's uh, improv. How much improv was there on set? How how close did you stay to the to the script? Yeah. So to Danny's credit, and this is a, a huge, um, yeah, I'm really proud of her, and she did such a great job with this. You know, she the script wasn't too precious to her, but she also and she and I discussed like there was a rhythm to it, and there were boundaries that we really couldn't or wouldn't want to step outside, except for maybe that last little section um, where it got really intense. But, you know, it could have been really challenging, you know, because I've worked with, you know, as a producer on films where writers are, if they're there, they're so caught up with every word. And and she really wasn't like that. If if the improv, you know, felt in, in tune with the character. And so, and I believe, and I learned this, in you know my producing of features is you really want to create a comfortable safe environment on set so that your actors feel able you know to try things and i and i and i really tried um and, you know i did a lot of reading and trying to to really get ready for my first time directing actors for the for film i've done some stage directing but one thing I really wanted to do was I wanted to let them know that I valued their, you know, their collaboration and their input and that I, to the point where I wanted them to feel if they really wanted to try something that I wanted to give them that opportunity. So I tried as much as possible to always ask them before leaving a certain setup, um, especially if it was a meaty one, that they were okay, that I was happy. I got what I felt we needed for that moment. But was there something that, you know, did they feel the same? Right. And, um, and so I think just that kind of working together just allowed them, you know, to, to really bring it. And boy, did they both, you know, they really brought they, it. Their chemistry is on point. It yeah. is. It is so good. I'm curious. You mentioned, um, you know, your your history with, with you know, documentary filmmaking, the, the stage uh, directing. Um, is there anything when you were done making this film? Was there was there anything that you were able to pull that you learned while making this movie where you're like, oh, I, that's a great lesson <laughs> so going into the next picture i have you know i'm building up your arsenal was there anything that happened where you were like oh i like that yeah yeah i think the big thing so i'm you know because of my years of producing i was directing and producing we had a really great i brought on a guy that i'd been working with for a while michael and jay and to be our kind of nuts and bolts lead producer during the filming portion so i could try to take that cap hat off and just direct but of course i friggin couldn't i was producing myself i was like arguing with myself <laughs> so you don't have time for another take move on the light's going down and so that was that was a bit challenging so one thing i i would try to do on the next one and i'm working with a pretty established producer on hopefully my next film and so i really won't have to do that and it wasn't like i couldn't rely on michael i could but he was so busy doing so much and you know, so there was nobody really to police the director for time and we're getting behind, you know, except for me, which <laughs> as a director is not necessarily a good thing because I think the producer won out um, mm -hmm. sometimes or I wish the producer had not. Um, the other thing, and I'll say it's, which I, 
it, it was a blessing in disguise was that on day one of filming, I mean, my gosh, Luke had just flown in from LA. We were just getting to know each other. They were supposed, we were supposed to do the scene in the park where they meet for the first time. Like it's such a perfect way to start a little charm, a little dance, you know, the crew's getting to know each other. And we had to, because of weather, shoot the bedroom scene first. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, um, no. And, and I actually think it was a, it was a blessing in disguise that it, 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 the whole movie, I can't, I don't know, you know, like it forced us all to just jump in, like, mm. you know, you know, no holds barred and just get dirty and get ready. And just, you know, we all, like, I hadn't even shot listed. I had shot listed the whole movie. I felt so prepared. I had my binder, my little notes. I was gonna, I was gonna watch Sliver and all these movies, like some of these crazy scenes to get ready for that scene. And next thing I know it's 9 p.m. and I'm calling the production designer like, oh my God, I can't think, I don't think we can shoot outside oh tomorrow. Gosh. And Noah Brickland, who's fabulous, um, was like simply the only set I can have ready because you'll see the world in the barn if we shoot in there is the bedroom scene. And I'm like, oh my God, to call, <laughs> to call the actors at imagine 9.30 at night to say, guys, I know what we were planning. We weren't even going to get to that until the second week. Yeah, oh that was a fun phone call. And we decided... I, I asked them that night, I was like, do you want to just a hundred percent say we're doing it? We're doing the bedroom scene or wait until the morning to see. And we, the three of us decided let's wait till the morning. And in the morning, we probably could have gotten away with it, but it looked really dangerous. And the whole thing happens in one night. So when you get hit with rain, we're screwed. So on set about an hour in, I was like, oh my God, we have to do them. So, but oh I, I, I do think it, so I would maybe use something like that again. I don't know. I shouldn't be saying that out loud, but <laughs> you you made plans and the movie gods laughed. <laughs> right, exactly. And I and I thank them for it. So be careful what you curse. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about about the score. Um, uh, by Alexander. Uh, I, 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 there we go. I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to watch that one either. Um, I, I like I was saying earlier before we started recording the podcast or the interview. It gave me a little bit of early or late '90s thriller, but then a little bit of this modern technological cinematic score that really fit the 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 Twitch, TikTok, you know, online, yeah, yeah. you know, thing. Yeah. How did how did that collaboration work about, and how did you guys land where you yeah. landed? So he'd been referred to me, and 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 for me, scores everything. I mean, like. You know, I, I love stuff like Mina Rota, like some of the, just the, the composers from like the old Italian movies and stuff. So I knew also in this type of a film, score would be super important. And I wanted to find someone that understood that, but wouldn't try to lay too much in, you know, and I didn't want to rely too heavily on it, but there were certain errors where I knew even when filming, like, oh, there's gotta be a big crescendo here. Um, so Alexander and I, we spotted the film. We would have Zoom like hour long sessions and we would watch the film together and really talk about and spot, you know, this is where the score would come in and this is where it'd go out. And we typically stuck to that. Um, and then he would play me stuff and, you know, we would, you know, work with it a little bit. There were a few places that we just kept working and working and even going back to like when she's reading the script. Um, but yeah, he brought it. He's he's really, really talented. And I loved how he brought, I'm trying to remember. I mean, I did, 
we did reference a few movies that I really liked the score. The Social Network was one. It follows. Oh my God, what that's a great a, movie and what a great freaking score. Disaster Piece is that the? I think that's the name. Of the, that score is Maybe, incredible. Yeah. Yeah, so we talked specifically about that film. It follows. Oh, and there was another one, an indie film, which I saw. And one thing I really love, which we did quite a bit in, in the film, is have the, the music really build to a crescendo and then bam, silence. Because I think silence is so powerful. I know. I felt that. So oh, watching watching the movie, there were, there were certain parts where I was thinking of the score, like, oh, it, had, you know, it was giving me, you know, like I was mentioning earlier, like single white female thrill, you know, thriller stuff. Yeah. But then there was parts when the silence was there and it didn't hit me until after the silence was gone that I realized like my ears <laughs> were just kind of by themselves in the actors. And I was like, damn, those choices were great. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, so that was, I, the, the, the score is fantastic. Uh, the, the other thing I want to talk to you about is as a filmmaker, um, the, the the film festival circuits. I mean, you oh, you won some awards for this. Can you talk to us about that? Like, what's that like? Submitting your films, getting them accepted, being able to go out and 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 showcase your work. Yeah, it's harrowing, you know, especially if you care, and I do care, you know. Um, but I will say, and I tell filmmakers, I've been I've been going to festivals since I was producing movies. That it is the reward because you're certainly not getting paid well on low-budget independent film, but it is the reward for all the work that you put into making that movie, so go. I went to five, four continents and like eight <laughs> countries, and I and I also felt an obligation, you know, because we were submitting to some pretty nice festivals um, that if they were giving me the honor of selecting my film, that I should be there. I should be there to represent it and also make sure that it looks okay, that they're you know, they're, it's framed properly. The volume is right. But we had such an amazing time. I mean, my gosh, we, we kicked off at Fanisporto in Portugal. Danny and I both went and we did, we won, a, you know, three awards there, which we had left already. We found out about that, which was great. <laughs> yeah, That's I was like, cool. ah, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, and Fantaspo in Brazil. And oh my gosh, this great one in Slovenia, Grossman and I'm wearing from Biff in Brussels. Um, <laughs> I mean, oh, and Fright Fest. Fright Fest um, in London was probably the, that in Austin were the biggest feathers probably in our cap, you know, and we won an audience award in Austin, which was great. That's incredible. But, you know, it was fun to also play, and there's such a difference between playing straight festivals and then playing the genre festivals. Like, you know, we did Heartland, which I was like, how? God, we're, we're in Heartland. Like, and I remember submitting because I'd heard about it, but they had a little, a little bit of a genre, small arm. Mm -hmm. So we got into that. But even like Woodstock and Cleveland and Florida, you know, so fun. And I met so many great people. I, I keep in touch with a lot of the people I met last year traveling to these festivals. So oh, that's a yeah, that's I amazing. Speak highly enough about them. Yeah. Did you notice a difference between like when you were traveling different continents, like how different yeah. areas of the world view or watch the film? I did. I did. In Mexico, we went to a macabre, probably the most passionate fans ever of all the festivals. They wanted to talk for hours about about the film. They all afterwards were all in the you know in the lobby and and so passionate. A place, and then you know, in Brussels, that was our toughest audience. And if ever I felt like our screening didn't go that great, it was there. 
And I think that festival is so interactive. It's a little bit like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And they're so used to screaming at the, you know, it's very interactive. And our film doesn't necessarily fall into that. Um, but Fright Fest was so exciting in Brazil. And, you know, everywhere was a little bit different, even in the States. You know, like Austin had a very different feel than like Screen Fest in LA, although that was a beautiful boy. We screamed at Snow, called like Pentat, one of those gorgeous old theaters. And, you know, so yeah, it's, and it, I'm not very good at, watching my own film you know like i'm not i can't sit there and really absorb honestly the response of the crowd i just think everyone oh they hate it they're bored <laughs> so i typically don't watch mm. um and what happened was in portugal our first festival we had to go up and say a speech it was this big old war old world type theater and so I was like, oh, God, let's just sit down. And so we sat towards the very front, which I never do. I actually could enjoy the movie because I couldn't see. I couldn't watch people to see. I could only hear. And so I could get caught up in it because I wasn't I wasn't able to read the, the room. So I could just watch wow. the movie. So that was for me. If ever I watched my film, I had to do it away from everyone. So I was watching. Almost like you got to watch your movie for the first time. <laughs> it, it kind of was. That and the, the screening at Screen Fest because I sat up in the balcony and it looked and sounded amazing. It'll never look and sound that good again, probably. <laughs> no, no, no. It looked, it's why well, I, I can't speak because I wasn't there, but I can okay. tell you watching it here, okay, it was amazing. It, it, it held up, it was, it was, it was good, it was thrilling. There were some moments in there, um, because I was expecting, you know, uh, I was expecting that Hitchcockian slow thriller build up. But goddamn, there's a couple scenes where I was like, "Oh shit!" Like you, you play really well with the frames. Put like what you put in there, what you don't. Making the viewer, you know, going from different cameras, making us like sort of search the frame. Like, what are we looking at? Trying to assess ourself, where are we at in the room? And then, boom, you put something in there that we're not expecting. I'm not going to spoil anything. <laughs> that was ruining any potential scares. Yeah, but it, it just it works. And so, given given your 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 history with filmmaking, I, I got to ask for the. Horror fans listening to this one who are aspiring uh, movie directors, if you had to give them any piece of advice to go out there and make their make their movie, what would you tell them? Well, find a script that you're not going to mind working on for years because it will be years. And then find great people to collaborate with. And if it's your first film, don't be intimidated to get more experienced people to surround yourself with. You know, you don't just have to work with other first timers, you know, and do your research. Like, don't, you know, be prepared for every day. I always think like the work you do in pre-production sets the the parameters of how high you can, you know, or how far you'll hit the ball on shooting, you know. So I was ready because there are times where you get so exhausted. And I had little notes in my script. So if the actors needed a little something or what are, I had verbs, I had words ready to give me a cue of, oh, that's what I was thinking when I was sitting at home and I wasn't having 12 people ask me questions. Cause that's more than anything else. A director is just someone answering questions because you've got the <laughs> production designer, uh, is this proper, that one, the costume, you, this shirt or that, should it be tucked in or not? And then the actor, well, I don't really like my hair, you know, it's all this stuff and you might not be as clear-minded in the 
heat of all of that to to really remember oh shit at this moment especially in a in a thriller like this like there are certain moments you have to hit and if you get caught up in like like if that was the moment where the producer won out the battle with me it would be bad so you have to really know where your you know where your fight is like where you know the gauntlet goes down that you can't move on until you hit certain marks and certain scenes so yeah i love that know yeah. know where your fight is that is yeah. <laughs> that is that is that is great yeah. well i can't thank you enough sylvia for taking the time uh follow her where can people where can people purchase this when is it when does it come out i believe it's this it's the second friday yeah june 2nd my goodness um oh, this is great it's in a few theaters you know i i know it's at the lemley on in santa monica it's in durham uh, where we played at a festival never nevermore film festival it's in chicago it's a handful of cities which we have not been very good about putting the information out because our focus has truly been on the you know getting the word out so people can rent it or buy it on amazon and apple tv itunes google play you know and it really does help like that opening weekend for an independent film like ours could mean the difference between you know real success because it's all about placement and it's all algorithms and how many people rent or buy it right you know right from the top as to where you land so everyone listening if you're looking for a film don't wait you know even if you rent a movie you have 30 days to watch it yeah you got you got time just put it you know, yeah. put it in get get, get make the make, make the algorithm sing exactly <laughs> yeah and then follow us you know at follow her film is the film across all platforms and my company is dolger films you can find me on instagram you know, I told your films are my name on Twitter. And, yeah. I can't recommend it enough. It is, it is a, it is a, it is a beautiful, refreshing thriller of, you know, something that, you know, I, uh, that I was yearning for that I'd seen years ago. And I'm like, okay, we still make them like that. This is good. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, and you're great. This was a great, this was fun. This was thank you. I thank you for taking the time. This was, this was my so pleasure. wonderful. Thank you. May I have your attention, please? Get you, Barbara. I, I don't know what really anymore. Horror. Something even more terrible than you. Are.